in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Ole Miss beat Arkansas in the College World Series. Ole Miss is now 2-0. Arkansas plays Texas A&M in an elimination game. The winner will have to beat Ole Miss twice to go to it's the not, final. It's not going to happen. Your team's a juggernaut. They are unbelievable. They So Ole Miss baseball this year at one point was ranked number one in the country. They then got swept by Tennessee and proceeded to go under 500 in SEC play. And they lost their first game in the SEC tournament and were eliminated, made the NCAA tournament as like the last team in. And since then, they are undefeated. They are the only team still playing that is not lost in the NCAA Through tournament. And they are right. Yeah. And they are dominating. Like they're oh, not, they, yeah. they won. Yeah. Okay. They beat Arizona seven to four in the first regional game. They beat Miami two to one. Then they beat Arizona 22 to six to win the regional. They beat Southern Miss 10 nothing and five nothing to win super. the super regional. Beat Auburn in game one of the College World Series five to one and won yesterday 13, 13 to, five. to five. They're not even playing close games. It's in all seriousness, the coach was going to be fired if they did not make the NCAA tournament. They were on the bubble like the last team in, and now they are three wins away from winning the national championship. It's your school. You'll <laughs> celebrate. Did you watch yesterday? Yeah, they're un they're unstoppable. They They've are got, I watched a little yesterday in the ninth. That kid threw gas. Their nine hitter had a two RBI double and a two run home run in the first five innings of the game yesterday. They're unbelievable. And they'll probably get shut out in two straight games and go home. But they're unbelievable. <laughs> it's the greatest baseball team I've ever seen play. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. The NFL could suspend Deshaun Watson for a full season. That is according to a story from the Washington Post. The league probably will seek a suspension of one full season for Watson. A person on Watson's side of the case said Friday. Uh, that's the obvious move for the NFL yes, right now. isn't it? Given more and more uh, women are coming out and you just don't know. That's it's the I think the it's in, in the NFL. If you're investigating this, it's almost the uncertainty of this. right. So if you're just worried, like, oh, my God, what else is out there? And if we only suspend him for six games and something, whatever worse could be, comes out, uh, you know, I would just I would suspend him for the year and hope that the legal part of it takes care of itself before then, and then yeah. you can react to the legal part. There, the two parts of uncertainty. One is, are there going to be more? Because, what was it? The New York Times had the story that cited over 60 women gave him massages yes. in a 17-month period. We're up to, what are we, up to 26, I think it is? Like, there's more women that continue to come out. So the uncertainty is, okay, is there more? There's obviously a great potential for more. And then from the legal standpoint, I know the NFL does its own investigation, but whatever. From the legal standpoint, this stuff is not going to be uh, finished in court until no. at least after this football season right. is played. And so if you're the NFL, there's that's two big things. That if you suspend him for, say, four games and he comes back and plays the rest of the season, and then, oh, there's more allegations that make him look even worse. Or then the season ends and his court case gets even uglier, even worse for him. You're going to look really bad as the NFL if you let him play a bunch of games. Yeah. Whereas if you suspend easy, him for the whole year. It's an easy year, decision just to suspend him. And I don't know who fights that other than Deshaun Watson. And I guess the Browns. Who's he going like, to fight against? But I don't think anybody would have an issue right now. if you Nobody would be like, oh. 
that's too much. No. I, I think you'd be like Browns fans. Okay. I mean that and that's basically it. Otherwise, you're like, yeah, everybody else would say, yeah, that seems like exactly what you should do at this point. So a year seems like the easiest answer if you're the NFL right now. Like I would just do it. I would I would keep the guy suspended until I knew legally what happened with yeah. him. Yeah. So do you just suspend him? I would just suspend him. Do you just say you're suspended I mean, indefinitely for the time being? Just say we'll figure out the end date whenever way it comes. Out. Yeah. Just say hey, you're out. Yeah. We'll figure out whenever you yeah. can come back. We'll see what like, happens. Can, in the can legal they do process. that? Is the with the NFLPA fight that? The NFLPA might fight that and say hey, if you're going to suspend him, you got to give, give us a, a timetable timeline. I don't know. I don't know if that's collectively bargained or not, but if I if I was the NFLPA, even Deshaun Watson, I'd be like, hold on now, you can suspend. Yeah, him, it's but, their job to it's their their job to represent the but player. But you got to give him a timeline. You right. can't just indefinitely suspend the guy. Yeah, they could theoretically use all of those lawsuits as the timeline. Just say you're suspended until all these lawsuits are handled. Solved. Yeah, I, I yeah. guess. I, again, I don't know if that's collectively bargained or not with the players. And if it is, maybe they have to put a timeline on it. But if I was the NFL, that's the that's the easiest way to handle what is a not right. easy situation. It's, easy, it's an open-ended thing where you yeah. don't have to respond until all this is settled. I, uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry. I just got confused. <laughs> Chris Bryant will play at Las Vegas Ballpark this week. He is on a rehab assignment with the Rockies uh, with the Albuquerque Isotopes. They are in Vegas for six games starting today. I don't know if he'll play all six, but you've got a lot of chances to go see Chris Bryant if you want to go see him play at Las Vegas Ballpark. Las Vegas kid. Are you somebody that's intrigued by major leaguers on minor league assignments? Um I'm intrigued by if it's a guy from the team I like to see how he does. But, like, you're not like, oh, Chris Bryant, famous major leaguer that doesn't play for the Dodgers. Just, oh, big name major leaguers on a rehab assignment. I want to go watch him play a triple no, game. No, nothing against Chris Bryant, but I wouldn't do that. So, when I lived in Mississippi, we had the Mississippi Braves, and Chipper Jones did a rehab assignment in Mississippi. And I went to it, was like, oh, this is, and I was not a Braves fan, didn't care, but I was like, oh, this is great. Now I think I'm spoiled because I've actually been to a lot of major league games that I don't even care that Chris Bryant is here. Right. But like when I lived in Mississippi, we don't have pro sports deal. there. I was like, oh, Chipper Jones, right. I know who that guy is. Let's go watch it. So I feel like I've been. I wouldn't go just because he's there. Right. If I, I mean, I wouldn't go. I don't know if I'd go if Max Muncy was there, but I'd want to know what Max Muncy did. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'd want to know did he strike out three times or did he hit three home runs? What yeah. did he do? Yeah. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. All right. I think this is the funniest story from the NBA over the last few days. Kenny Atkinson rejected the Hornets. He was an assistant coach with the Warriors. Apparently, he, like, accepted the job in Charlotte to become their head coach during the NBA Finals. Didn't actually sign the contract, but then after the Finals decided he didn't want to be the head coach in Charlotte and wanted to remain an assistant coach. And, like, how bad is your team if you have guys turning you down because they just want to stay an assistant coach? Well, I asked Adam this yesterday. He, he came up with a good point. Do you think it's because Kenny Atkinson says, how long does Steve Kerr have left? Really? I mean, he's the Olympic coach, which is in two years. We talked about that. Maybe he goes for another title because he wants 10 rings because he has nine as a player and a coach. <laughs> But that might be, again, it's taking a chance if you're Kenny Atkinson that you're going to be the coach of the next coach of the Warriors. Now, maybe they've wink, wink, told them, hey, you know, you're the guy if Steve steps down. But, I mean, at last year, you're a big Steve Kerr fan. I, mean, he, I guess he could go for another 10 years. It's just that it seems like 
if you win a few more years and you win an Olympic gold, you know, that might be a good time to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to step away and I've had enough of this. I think the main problem with that is are the Warriors going to be contenders? And well, that's the thing. Are, are they still going to be one of the best teams? Like you could, if he if he were to take the Charlotte job and do a good job there, it's not crazy to think in two years, Charlotte's oh, better than Golden mean. State. Oh, I, okay. And I also thought if he stepped away, could he come back and just be the Warriors coach? If he did well at Charlotte, if he did oh, well, well yeah, conceivably you could do that too. If if yeah, if he went to Charlotte, did well did for two really years, well, and, and then Steve just come back, left. absolutely. Yeah. But like, yes, it sounds great to be the coach of the Warriors right now. But true, three seasons from now, you don't know. I mean, is who this team on the is team? this team still going to be a championship contender? They might suck, in which case, oh great, Steve Kerr's leaving me with thirty-eight-year-old Steph right. Curry or something like that. Sounds phenomenal. Next question. Oh, Lights FC currently they came in a back. playoff they, spot. They got the playoff spot. They beat San Diego on Sunday, a 2-1 win. They were one nothing down, scored twice to come back and win. Uh, they are tied for seventh, three points back of third, by the way. It's pretty bunched up there. They're not very far ahead of ninth, which would be out of the playoffs. But they went all of May without winning a game. They now have two in a row in June. Be excited. Oh, you want to know their best player is Danny Trejo. He got uh, loaned up to LAFC for LAFC games on Saturday. He played 17 minutes and then came back and played for Lights FC on Sunday and scored the game-winning goal. Good for Danny. Yeah. That's great. I I want him to make the playoffs. Me too. Wouldn't that be fun? Did you see the tweet yesterday about you throwing water balloons? I know. You see me throwing water balloons? I saw that. Was that last year? Yeah, that was last year's uh, invite everybody on the field. Chuck Are you going out this year? No, it's this weekend, and I'll be in oh, Mexico. Oh, you'll be in Mexico. You'll be in yeah, Mexico. unfortunately, I'm okay. going to miss the water balloon day. Okay. But that that was a great time. Can't you just tell them to delay it a week? I should yeah, be able you to should. do that. <laughs> like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> no the mind. water balloon superstar. The <laughs> best part about throwing the water balloons last year, though, is that all the people that ran on the field, there's like a mass of people on the field. So like, and they've they've got the water balloons for you. Just yeah, start, you, you just, just run up grab and grab them out, out of a bag. But like, some people are throwing it at people on the field, and you're like a foot away from everybody. So that's not yeah. very fun. So I just was launching them into the crowd. Like Cause there were the, still, cause there were still people in the crowd. Yeah. All the people who didn't want to get wet. I said, whatever, I'm launching it at you anyway. Right. So I just spent the entire time throwing water balloons into the crowd. That's a lot more fun than like if Danny's standing here and we're both throwing right. Cause at that each was the other, thing. Like, if we had been like, that? you know, 10 feet or more apart. One sure. Thing. Well, like three but feet just, apart. I would just been like drilling the five-year-old right next to me, which admittedly might've been fun. But it was better to just chuck it into the crowd and see if I could make people wet that uh, didn't want to actually get wet. Were you aiming for kids in the crowd? No, I was just chucking, just just grab and throw because there was a limited number of water balloons. So you had to just get as many as you could and just chuck them. That was really the the main objective there before all these little snot-nosed kids got them all. (laughs) Great question. Pac-12 Commissioner George Kliakoff says college football does not need the NCAA. His quote to The Athletic was, I've had conversations with several of the FBS commissioners, and I've been surprised by the unanimous support of the idea among the folks that I've spoken to about taking football rulemaking and football rule enforcement out of the NCAA and investing it in an organization that is run by the 10 FBS conferences. First point, credit to George Kliakov for talking about 10 conferences and not five. Right. Because this very easily could have been a quote about the Power Five conferences right. doing whatever they want. But he said 10, which includes, you know, the Mountain West. So good for George Kliakov. 
Um, this is going to happen Isn't sometime this, in the near is, future. Didn't we always say this? It's inevitable. I mean, it's the inevitable college they football, go on their own. The playoff is not run by the NCAA already. Right. right. So it doesn't seem like it's that big of a leap to say, okay, no. rulemaking and rule enforcement is going to be a separate entity yeah. away from the NCAA. Wasn't this inevitable? It feels that way. The real thing, the real question, though, is when Kliakov says, hey, he's, he's talked to so many commissioners about this. How many commissioners say, yeah, 10 conferences should do this versus how many say the Power Five conferences should do this on their own? Well, the SEC says Power Five. Well, SEC says Power One. One, SEC. It's us. (laughs) We'll make all the rules, and then you guys will just follow us. That's a good question in terms of do the power – because essentially, although would the playoff format change – it's going to, you know, ultimately, I think everyone wants it to change for more teams, but this is just rules uh, enacting, right? This is yes, just, we're going to make is, our own rules. This, this is college football teams and probably college football coaches don't love the way the NCAA creates rules and enforces rules, right. right? And that's, I think, perfectly fair and valid criticism of the NCAA. They make things up as they go, it seems, half the time. They want to basically be their own bosses. They would, I don't. Then I would have no problem inviting the 10 conferences if it's not changing my... Because all the Power 5 cares about are the revenues and the money anyway. Right. So and if this, that doesn't yeah. change that, then invite them out in West. Yeah, they might just have to spend a little bit more money because they're funding the group that's going to enforce the right. rules or something. But like, they can probably find a way to make more money to pay for that anyways if they're in control of everything. So I assume this happens at some point. Um, the only real question is, does the NCAA draw a line in the sand and say you can't play in the NCAA tournament if you leave us in football. Uh, that's a good question. That's that's the main power the NCAA but has. But 10 conferences, what kind of NCAA tournament would you have? Right, exactly. They they just go play their own basketball yeah, conference. They'd, and they more people would care about that one. Probably. Coming up next, we jump into some UNLV football because Marcus Arroyo got a quarterback. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Marcus Arroyo, how many quarterbacks do you think he's going to have at UNLV? Kids got more in the room than the Raiders had defensive linemen. Uh, Ty Diffenbach. I don't know if that's how you say his last name, but he committed to UNLV. He's a three-star quarterback. He's in the class of 2023, so he won't be on the roster this year, but he'll be on the roster next season. And I here's here's the thing. To make the comparison to Tony Sanchez, I think one of the biggest mistakes Tony Sanchez made is once he got Armani Rogers, he stopped recruiting the quarterback position. They did end up bringing Johnny Stanton, but that was kind of it. He got Armani Rodgers and thought, that's the guy. I don't need to keep chasing this position. To Marcus Arroyo's credit, he has not stopped chasing quarterbacks. He is nonstop going after guys, whether it's transfer portal, whether it's recruiting. And that, I think, is the right way to do it because that's been the biggest problem from a roster standpoint. I think even bigger than the defense. Over the last 10 years, they have not had a high-level quarterback at UNLV. They've had some really good offensive lines. They've had some good running backs. They've had good wide receivers, but they have not had above average quarterback play at UNLV for a long time. And if, if he can fix that, if he can hit on one of these guys, maybe it's Harrison Bailey this year. Maybe it's Ty Diffenbach next year. That'll make a huge difference for UNLV. So I think even though it's funny how many quarterbacks they keep bringing in, I think it's Absolutely, what Marcus but to your Arroyo point, should be That's doing. what he should be doing. So bring as 100%. many in and let them all compete. Yep, and and I don't and even it let because you're probably going to lose one or two anyway. Right. The more you bring in, and like let's say Harrison Bailey has an awesome year, he's sort of finally the answer at quarterback. 
I don't think you stop then either. Like, because Harrison Bailey could then transfer somewhere else. Right. Harrison Bailey could leave. You've got to keep going at that position. And I think that's, that's probably the best thing that he's done is he just well, is nonstop at that position. You are in danger of losing Doug Brumfield for six days. <laughs> so that, no, I mean, look, the more you bring in, the more, especially with the portal, it's so easy now right. for kids. But again, if you're, if you're leaving for the portal, that means someone better beat you out. Right. So there's, know, usually that's usually why you leave. There's not really a downside to bringing in a bunch of quarterbacks. There's no, only, there's a, the only real one is, oh, he's taken up a scholarship that maybe you could use somewhere else, but you got 85 yeah. of these things. Like you should be, it, it, you're, you know, whatever your linebacker shouldn't be depleted because you brought in two extra quarterbacks. Like you should be able to figure that out. The only other downside I can think of is if a kid transferred away and ended up being a star somewhere else, right? In which case yeah, but you like made the wrong evaluation or something like away. that. But that's to me, not enough. You just keep, right. keep bringing them in because you need to hit on that position. It's the single most important position in the sport. Absolutely. Obviously the defense has to be a lot better than it has been for a decade plus of UNLV football, but the single most important spot is that quarterback one. So keep bringing them in. Here's another fun part about this UNLV team. Uh, the golden nugget has their odds out for all UNLV games. UNLV is favored. First off, they're favored in four games, Idaho, New Mexico, at Hawaii, and Nevada. They're double-digit favorites in two games this year. 25-point favorite against Idaho and a 14-point favorite against New Mexico. That's some optimism. Are they beating somebody by 25 this year? I don't know. I mean, Idaho. I don't know much. I can't tell you much about Idaho football, but they're 25-point dogs there. It's a big might number those, for UNLV. Might, might lay those points. That's a, like, what do you think? For comparison, UNLV is a 25-and-a-half-point underdog going to Notre Dame. Right. So is is if Notre Dame is 25 better than UNLV, How bad is, is, Idaho? is UNLV actually 25 better than oh. Idaho? Like, would so, Idaho be, I mean, this this is not the right way to do it, but would no. Idaho be a 50-point no. underdog against Notre Dame? No, but they'd probably be like 38. Probably, maybe in the 40s. So, yeah. like, that's, that's some... A little bit of credit to UNLV, or at least some expectations there. So, here's your big picture question: Has Marcus Arroyo gotten UNLV back to where the program was when Tony Sanchez got fired? I mean, Sanchez was four and eight in his final season. Not a not the worst. Uh, still not a bowl team. Ah. I mean, I want to believe it when I see it, right? I want to believe it when I see it when they win four games. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, they're if they're favored in four, and this doesn't happen, but if they simply won the games they were favored, and lost then the games they were underdogs. One? Well, no, I'm just saying to get to four wins, you okay, just win the right, games okay. you're favored and all lose right. all the games that you're underdogs in. You're four and eight, and you're sort of back to where the program was when, when Sanchez, Sanchez left, got fired, got fired. Which, by the way, that's not a good thing. Like Tony Sanchez didn't get fired with the expectation the program was going to be taking a step back. No, Tony Sanchez no, got fired not. with the expectation that they were going to a bowl game the next year. Right. Like that was the entire point was to go to a bowl game as soon as possible, not to take three years to get back to four wins. So this is, and let's, let's play an assumption out here. They win four games this year, right? Like, let's just say they go four and eight this season. That'd be a big improvement from two and 10 last year to go four and eight. Have you seen anything from Marcus Arroyo to suggest that they're going to keep getting better or would this program plateau at four wins kind of like they did under Tony? Well, I don't know if we could say we've definitely seen anything. He's two and 16. So I don't know if we can definitely say, <laughs> hey, we've seen enough to where. But if they win four games this year, I think trajectory-wise, you could say that they should 
could, I shouldn't yeah. say should, but could make a bowl game in his fourth year. Absolutely. And that, like, that was the problem with the Tony Sanchez era is what they won three games in his first season, right? They beat Nevada. They won the cannon. It was a big win. And then they won five games and it was like, and that was the year they lost to Howard. That was the year that like, Oh, they really blew a bowl, yeah. a bowl opportunity, but they won five games and it was, Oh, this team on their way. And next year will trending. be a bowl team. Yeah, exactly. And then they went four and eight back to back seasons. Right. And it was like, Oh, they have plateaued. This is, right. this is as far as they're apparently going to go. I don't think it's fair to Royal right to now. say that yet. Well, one way or the other. Well, yeah, he hasn't gotten, he hasn't even gotten to the four. Wins. Yeah. He hasn't gotten to four. Yeah. So we hasn't, don't know. Hasn't gotten to four wins. Combined over his two seasons, right. let alone COVID in one year season. and last year. Right. So I'm, I'm just curious, like when you look at the, and there's a whole new athletic director now, Desiree Francois is gone. But when you look at the whole point of hiring Marcus Arroyo, firing Sanchez and hiring Arroyo was to have an immediate improvement. Mm-hmm. And they have not had that. And I'm curious, even after three years, is this team going to have that type of improvement going into year four? Or is it going to be a program that is just simply, Hey, they're a four-win team. Well, like, you would consider four and eight an improvement. Well, I mean, improvement I mean, on last I mean, yeah, year. I mean, yeah. It's still... here. Okay. Expectations for this year and sort of what the program should be depends on where you're taking the gauge from. Because if we went back in time to when Tony Sanchez got fired and said three years into the Marcus Arroyo era, the best they'll have done is four and eight you'd be like, that's a complete failure. That is an unbelievable disaster for the football program. If the best they can do in three years is the same that Tony Sanchez got fired for. But if you're taking the gauge from right now, when they're 2-16 and 16 in the last two years, 4-8's and eight's fine. It's not a bowl game. You don't get anything with four wins. But 4-8 and eight would at least show, hey, this team is not completely and utterly useless and can compete. And I imagine if they go four and eight, there's going to be a couple of close losses in there as well that you look back and say, oh, they, they weren't were far close. away yeah, from they far away from a bowl from stealing six a six. win there and getting to right. six wins and getting to a bowl game. But I think it just depends on where what point in time you gauge the Marcus Arroyo era from. From the very beginning, you look out and say they're two and sixteen going into year three. Terrible. Absolute nightmare. But from right now, if they were to win four games, you'd say, okay, that's better. And and especially, I'll, I'll put this caveat on it too. If Harrison Bailey is really good at quarterback this year, and even if they go four and eight, if he's really good at quarterback, I think that'll give you a reason for legitimate optimism going into for the, the next year. Yeah. yeah. Like if they're, if, if he's good and they just, whatever, suck on defense or can't run the ball, whatever, but go four and eight, I think there's legitimate optimism. Now, if they're four and eight and they still have not answered the quarterback question, that's probably going to be the reason they're four and eight the next season too. So a lot, I think a lot rides on Harrison Bailey being good. So to put it in perspective, uh, UNLV's favorite 25 over Idaho state last year, they finished one in 10. Their only win was over UC Davis, 27, 17 UC Davis finished eight and four. So it should be Notre Dame minus 65 against Idaho. If they played (laughs) Idaho coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. Follow him on Twitter at 4 Listen to his podcast, The Exemplist. Uh, Charles, earlier in the show, we talked to another New York resident, David Roth, and I'm curious if you have had an, a similar experience to him. He said that on the subway, he had what he called roof juice drop on him from the ceiling. Oh, uh, 
that never happens. It never hit me before. I should say. Like, uh, I've definitely seen it. Uh, I've definitely seen it happen on the subway where you know, you'll just be sitting there and some liquid just falls off onto the ground. I don't know what it is. Uh, the New York, the New York City subway is uh, just a bastion of germs. It's disgusting. Uh, but hey, it's really easy to get from point A to point B. I guess my I th- I think my uh, moment, like when I first realized, like, oh, okay, I'm in New York City. Like when I was on the subway, was a few years ago when I was covering the Jets and Giants for the Daily News. I was on the subway, uh, heading to some events I had to cover, and there was this uh, this homeless dude on the subway who was drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels, <laughs> and I don't, I, I, we we just kind of struck up a conversation, and. He asked me if I wanted some, right? And I was like, no, man, I don't actually. <laughs> I don't want any. Uh, so he's like, suit yourself. Took a huge swig of Jack Daniels and puked all over his shoes, right? Uh, and then I went down. And I, was, I, I got up and I sat across the aisle because I'm not going to let his puke get on my shoes or whatever. He's like, where are you going? You don't want to sit next to me anymore? I was like, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. You just puked up Jack Daniels at like 1.30 on a Tuesday. Uh I think I'm good on that, but I hope you have a good day. So the subway's wild, but hey, it's two seventy-five to get basically anywhere in New York, in New York City. Is that the same guy that found your phone when you left it on the subway? <laughs> no, this guy—he really had his uh, his stuff together. I mean, <laughs> in terms of you know, in terms of struggling people, he was not you know slamming Jack Daniels at one thirty on a Tuesday. He was uh, actually being a little helpful. So no one really knows what's coming out of the roof; they just know it's happening. Yeah, you don't know you don't know what's going on, on the roof. Just like I don't like when the subway tracks are clear and there's no subway you're waiting for. I don't know like how many rats are down there. I don't know if I'm seeing the same rat every day. Of course, a different family of rats, but they're my rats because it's my city. You know, it's it's a uh, it, it's it's New York City is a really dirty place. If you can't guess from these stories that me and David are saying, but it's also a magical place at the same time. Just you know, I, I got, it, the crazy thing to me is like I'll see people on the subway. And like on the poles in the middle, where you can stand, and uh, where, you, where you can stand, just like brace yourself as the, the subway moves. There are people who do like pole tricks and stuff like that, where they're putting their hands on the floor and all over the place. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't think you guys know what you guys are touching, but more power to you if you like the freedom like that. Uh, you had a very important tweet that I could not agree with more. Uh, can you share your opinion on the Eagles' updated logo? Oh, it's embarrassing. Dude, it's funny because I was just I was just at a bachelor party this weekend with some of my friends from college, and I think like half of them are like Eagles fans, and just about all of them were complaining about how crappy the new logo was because, and everyone like had the same complaint. It's like you're kind of taking the the personality out of it. I mean, any anyone could have come up with this Eagles with the white font and like you just put a dash in the E and basically that's it. I just don't know why, it, or it's just kind of weird to me in general, like. Modern art, you know, it, I think in a lot of areas is like becoming so minimalist that it's just ugly or just kind of lack of character. And look, if you know one thing about the city of Philadelphia, it, it, it ain't lacking any character at all. Uh, and it was just kind of weird to see, like, you have like this big gaudy logo that to me, like, kind of fits the personality of the city and the team. Like, we are the Eagles, we are here. And now it's just like, Eagles. That's, that's not right. It doesn't make any sense. 
And then they can go back to like the Super Bowl logos where, you know, back basically up until I want to say, shoot, what was it? Maybe that like that first Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl or around then, where you had like all the logos that were customized for the city that they are being, and then all of a sudden they just decided, no, we're done with this. We're not we're not trying anymore. We're just going to go with like the standardized logo that, you know, has kind of taken the the personality a little bit out of where we are and maybe the history of the cities that uh, we're traveling to. To me, it's kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of sad to a degree that we're just kind of like, uh, let's just make it like as minimalist as possible because apparently Sleek is in, uh, even though, you know, I'm someone who likes, you know, 90s vintage shirts where, you know, you basically just get like a whole spray painting shirt, a uh, spray paint uh, art on a shirt of your favorite football team. And now we're just doing like, Word documents on. It's whack. What are uh, we doing? Let's go back. Is this your first old man things were better back in my day take? Um, it's one of them, for sure. I, I, I think my first big one is uh, past interference. Like, you remember the days before there were spot fouls and DBs could play football a little bit? I mean, what what do we need, like, a six, like the potential for a 60 or 70 yard penalty for a football? It makes no sense. And while we're at it, Get rid of automatic first down, too, because if it's first and 10 and I get defensive holding for five yards, why was it first and 10 again? It makes no sense. We can at least do defensive service by giving them just a little bit of a hand with the math equations on penalties. And I think we really need to go back to that. Let DBs play football again. It's not fair. So we need to fix the logos. We need to fix defensive backs. And honestly, we need to hit quarterbacks more than they get hit now because they're playing a different game than everybody else. So these are my boomer rants for the day, I think. Speaking of old men, uh, Ndaga Masu says yesterday he throws out the Raiders. He's thrown out the Raiders three or four times on Twitter this morning. And we were saying the more you throw out the Raiders, the less it's likely he's to sign. What would you do with him if you're the Raiders and he wants eight or nine million? He wants to come. He's 35, been pretty durable, not missing games. But would you take a hard look at him? Um, I mean, at this point in the offseason, yeah, because I, I, I tend to think, like, if you're, well, we're sitting here in June, about a month away from training camp, you know, your roster is pretty much set uh, for the most part. And especially with a team like the Raiders, like, <laughs> where you already have a bunch of big contracts locked in. Um, is Ndamukong Sue worth, like, you know, 8 to $10 million a year at this point in his career? No, probably not. But is he a valuable piece of line upgrade? Uh, for the Raiders, yeah, I think he would be. Uh, it's just, you know, how much are you willing to pay at this point in the offseason? But to me, you know, this part of the year is just like, if you want the upgrade, go ahead and get it, especially if it's just a one-year deal. Because, like I said, you already have your roster set for the most part. It's not like an Indomitian Sioux deal would have cap ramifications beyond this year. So if you can if you can afford it and you're willing to bite that bullet for 8 to $10 million a year, I don't really think that that's a bad move because, you know, it, it doesn't have any, any ramifications beyond this year. And if you're a team that has gone after, you know, Devontae Adams, uh, Chandler Jones, given a contract out to Max Crosby as well, what's the, what's the perk in adding another veteran that can really help you win games at the end of the day? Is the easy answer for the NFL to just suspend Deshaun Watson for the entire season? Yes. Uh, yes. And honestly, I, 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 I honestly feel like Deshaun wouldn't have gotten a full-year suspension if he and his lawyer could just not act like the two clowns show out here every time they get in front of the mic, you know? Because, honestly, I believe that the NFL 
not that I agree with this, I don't agree with this. I think that the NFL wants to get back to just Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, you know? But then you have Rusty Harden getting out here talking about, you know, the like the morality of happy endings as a lawyer. You represent someone like this. Then last week, Deshaun Watson, he has a case where, you know, he's asked about the New York Times article uh, where, you know, it comes out that he's seen 66 massage therapists in a 17-month span. And someone asked him if that was accurate, and his first answer was, I don't think so. I mean, it, 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 it's baffling because, you know, you can go back to the, uh, the press conference that the Browns had when they traded for Deshaun, and no one's prepared for, like, these questions that they're going to get. And you have Andrew Barry up there fumbling around his words when someone asked him, how should, you know, Browns fans that are women feel about this trade? That should be, like, the first thing that you prepare for. Like, how are you not ready for some of these very, like, benign, basic questions that are coming your way. And honestly, the fact that, one, they keep stumbling over this. Deshaun, Rusty, the Browns, they keep stumbling over their answers in the public that really, really make it hard to believe that he did not do this. Uh, that's, you know, one thing. And two, I mean, the NFL, like, they set a bad precedent with, you know, because now you have the comparisons, right, because you have a really big recent suspension with Calvin Ridley with, you know, with the gambling stuff. And this is an opportunity for the NFL to say, we take these allegations of sexual assault, which is what they are. Like, if you read the, if you read the, uh, the reports, like, a lot of this boils down to simply just sexual assault. Like, the NFL has a chance to say, we, we take sexual assault just as seriously as we do gambling on games in our league. And I think that that's, like, a really easy thing for them to take. I don't know if they will. I think that, you know, a, a lot of this is just coming down to the story. They want the story to go away, but quite, quite frankly, Deshaun, the Browns, his lawyer, they just handled this like complete idiots, and it won't go away. And also, the lawsuits keep piling up. We're at, what, 26 now? And we started at, we started at what, 22 just a couple months ago? And you see these patterns where, uh, you know, the most cynical men out there will say, Oh, you know, it's just these women trying to get in on a cash grab. But the closer answer to the truth is they see that these women who are speaking out against things that they also went through, being brave enough to go on HBO Real Sports and talk about the horrible things that happened to them. And it's like it's empowering that they can come out and do it themselves. So, hey, you got 26 lawsuits out there. 26. And if you just do the math on the New York Times report, see if 66 total massage therapists, 15 have come out and said nothing has gone wrong. 26 have filed lawsuits. And then there are others who say they haven't filed lawsuits for other things gone wrong. I mean, you're talking 30-plus women that this guy has gone around. You, you can't let him play. Like, you just cannot let him play. And honestly, if you're the Browns, I'd be starting to get a little worried because you, you, you have – a guy who didn't play last year because he mistakenly thought that that would count as time serves against him, which was dumb on his part. Uh, and then if he's not going to play this year, that's two years away from a football, and you paid him five years, $230 million guaranteed, and he might not even be ready to get back to being Deshaun Watson until 2024, 2025. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. And frankly, I think the Browns should be completely embarrassed with themselves for what they've put themselves into. And if the New York Times report is accurate, then the Texans should be under some serious heat, too, for you know, basically facilitating some of this guy's behavior. Before we let you go, why does Drake's new album suck? 
Uh, it sucks because Drake can't sing anymore. I actually think the beats are pretty fun. I think the beats be pretty fun. Like if you're inebriated in a, a club on a Friday night and they just let that thing play, I think it'd be kind of fun. But the problem is, I think Drake smokes too much and it kind of ruins his singing voice. Well, he is Charles McDonald. Follow him on Twitter at Four Verts. Listen to the Exempt Pod or Exempt List Pod. Charles, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Charles. Later. All right, we've got tickets to give away before we go to break. Two tickets to go see Morrissey Wednesday, July sixth here in Vegas. It's Viva Mas Vegas at the Coliseum at Caesar's Palace. Residency is July first through the ninth. You get tickets at Ticketmaster.com or. Win a pair of tickets from us right now to go see Morrissey. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. you get a pair of tickets to go see Morrissey. Be caller number three at 702-364-1100. I mean, there's been no other option to this point. So uh, where else are you going to go? Live. I mean, uh, as of last week, that's it. I wasn't playing last week. So I'm here. I'm here at the U.S. Open. I'm ready to play U.S. Open. So, and I think... I think it kind of sucks too. Y'all are throwing this black cloud over the um, the U.S. Open, and I mean it's one of my favorite events. And I don't know why you guys keep doing that, but um, you know, more likes you give it, the more more you keep talking about it. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grainy and Bischoff. Who's throwing a black cloud over the U.S. Open? Supposedly the media is. Not Brooks Kapka now joining. No, now that uh, Brooks Kapka is uh, going to invent. In, Listen, uh, he respected the U.S. Open and waited for it to be over before he yeah. joined Liv. <laughs> he's okay. He's won four majors, um, and it when he's winning those four majors, he's the best golfer in the world. He's amazing. He's I think in the high nineties now, maybe l- l- high eighties, low nineties in terms of his ranking. It just doesn't seem like he's always interested in golf, as talented as he is. So I I loved uh, David's comment that maybe it's just because DeChambeau is gone, so he's just going to troll him. So he'll just go join this tour <laughs> that, with that DeChambeau. Is, that is that great. Was, that was absolutely classic. <laughs> um, but these guys are, look, 54 holes and a lot of money. They're, 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 it's a bag, man. It's a money, it's a money grab. Do you uh, believe sort of David Roth's take on that? These guys, for whatever reason, are just the dollar amount always has to keep going up that they always need to make more like. Should these like should these guys basically be saying, well, yeah, I can make more money and and live, but I make plenty of money on the PGA tour. It's not like my family's hurting. Like, should that be how they think or should they think, oh, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars can be mine if I go play in this other tournament? Or tour. Just specifically to the money, I'm not going to judge people on the money in terms of if they want the most money they can get. I mean, all of us in this room, you want the most money you can get in whatever you do. I get that. Now, there's a whole other argument about where that money's coming from. I understand that. But I do think it's somewhat funny, like I said to David, when Dustin Johnson sits in a room and they ask him why he's doing this, he says it's best for my family, <laughs> and he's won $70 million in career earnings, and that doesn't even count his sponsorships. And he's the son-in-law of Wayne Gretzky. So um, that 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 to me is funny when he said when they said why did you do this? Well, I'm doing what's best for my family. Um, I'm not going to judge them if they if they want more money. I mean, I don't think anyone out there should. If you if you everyone wants more money in their careers now, again, I'll say where's the money coming from? That's that's the main contention of this entire tour. Where the money's coming from? Not that you want to go and try to earn. You know, instead of 
four hundred thousand for finishing fifth. You're going to go earn one point three million for finishing fifth. Okay. Who's left in the PGA Tour? Oh, Rory's left. <laughs> Tiger and, and Tiger. Tiger's left. <laughs> I'm Tiger's going to win a Scottie tournament. Sh- Scotty Scheffler's left. Yeah, Scotty Scheffler. He's the number left. one golf in the world. But Scotty Scheffler is. Yeah, John Ram. Um, Zalatoris keeps finishing like yeah, second or third in every tournament. He might say, "Screw it, I'm headed to the LIV." I might. <laughs> no, he's just got to wait it out. Things. He yeah. just needs like one or two more guys to leave, and he will win every tournament in the PGA Tour. More commas left. I mean, there's there's guys who are left, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it is the more names that that go over there. I mean, I you know you watching the leaderboard the other day, and if you watch it all, you know who Scheffler is, number one player. You know Zalatoris is a young kid. Um, who's finished, you know, second a few times now in majors. Um, but Fitzpatrick, you know, if you watch golf, you'd know. I don't know if a lot of people turned that on, knew he, I did knowing not. who he was. When I, if you when watch I watched golf, a little bit know. on Sunday, I did not know who Fitzpatrick yeah, was. Yeah, so that's a good point. Um, you knew who Rory was. You know, there... There's still, there's still some names, but I, I, I see your point. If more keep jumping... Then you're going to have a lot of Fitzpatrick's. Where right. unless you're watching on a weekly basis or really know it, you'd be like, "Who is that person?" Uh, we have some breaking news on Deshaun Watson. Uh, according to his lawyer, he has reached a confidential settlement with 20 of the 24 women who have sued and accused him of sexual misconduct. Wow! I was under the impression that d- didn't the lawyer of most of these women say they were not going to settle? Yes. 20 of 24? 20 of 24, according to this. His lawyer put out a statement. I'm reading it in the USA Today. Uh, They got a story up on it. Uh, Yeah. Tony Busby, who's Deshaun Watson's lawyer, says, I announce that all cases against Deshaun Watson, with the exception of four, have settled. We are working on the paperwork related to those settlements. Once we have done so, those cases will be dismissed. The terms and amounts of the settlement are confidential. We won't comment further on the settlements or those cases. So does this expedite what the NFL might do? There's still four out that's there. The, that's the thing. There's still there's four out there. And again, four. there's still, as long as there's still ones out there, look, even if the four are settled, you could still have four next week. Right. I mean, if, if the New York Times was right and the numbers are in the 60s and you've only had 24 cases, you could have four next week. I think the NFL is going to have to make a decision. Yeah. If if you told me like that it was all lawsuits were settled. were settled, I think that would open the door to Deshaun Watson not getting suspended for the whole year and Deshaun Watson playing this season. But with four out there, plus the added detail that we know a lot of the details of what these women are accusing Deshaun Watson of, it's not just a blanket sexual misconduct or sexual assault. Like, there are some graphic details that still leads me to believe it's going to be a year for Deshaun Watson, just because it is not a clean cut. Hey, everything's taken care of. You're good to go.